Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz, episode 409 in the house. Oscar Lopez will be followed here in a couple minutes by Coach Terry Lister of TL Talks Podcast as we break down the NFL Divisional Weekend. What a weekend of weekends. I mean, if you were not glued to the NFL this weekend, uh, I don't know what you were doing. You're probably under the rock or something. So uh, what a thrilling weekend. Uh, Four games we saw over the weekend delivered just about everything we could have asked for. Three upsets, four close games, uh, a dethroning of the Tennessee Titans, a defensive battle in the snow at Lambeau Field as the Niners prevail, a near comeback for the ages in Tampa Bay uh, as Tom Brady uh, gets defeated by the Rams by a field goal, and an all-time classic between uh, the Bills and the Chiefs in overtime to wrap up Sunday night. So an exciting game and set of games for the weekend. Uh, as an NFL fan, I mean, you had to be thrilled all weekend. And I was glued, just like everybody else, on the uh, weekend itself. So let's bring in Coach Terry Lister here. Uh, Coach Terry, how's it going? Welcome back. Good, man, good. Thanks for having me back. So, Terry, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about as sick as sick for popcorn. You know what I mean? Too much popcorn, too much to drink. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't, I can't um, get over it. I mean, I'm, I'm a uh, passionate football fan. Um, I'm a huge NFL fan, and I was just completely spoiled all weekend with the uh, four playoff games. So I'm still, like, coming down from a high from it, to be honest with you, even though my Browns aren't a part of it. So it's, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, Terry, uh, the last game there, I kind of felt bad for uh, Josh Allen in a way, but it is what it is, you right? The rules are that way. Uh, we know what Matty Ice went through when, when uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl came back and didn't get a chance to do anything but sit mm-hmm. get, and watch him get defeated in that Super Bowl. It, it sort of felt this way, too. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs are so so potent. Once uh, Tyreek uh, Tyre Hill gets going, Kelsey gets going, mm-hmm. right, it just – it was just a matter of time that, that they get going, and it's just unfortunate. Uh, everybody griping all over Twitter, and Twitter always whining. So that's not, nothing mm. you need to kind of like <laughs> work that's about, right? Cool. Yeah. There's yeah. always something yeah. to whine about on Twitter, but uh, it is what it is. Uh-huh. The the rules are set. Um, it, it just doesn't take away from I, – I really think this is a classic. I mean, this game was similar to oh. the Rams-Chiefs game of a couple years ago yeah. where it went down to the yeah. wire, things just happening, but – uh, you know, Buffalo really thought, Coach, that they were going to be here to the next round. They, they really thought this was their year, right? Well, yeah. Not only did they think they were going to get over the hump this year, um, but in my opinion, they were right. I mean, they played good enough to win that game, and it literally came down to who won the coin toss. I think if the Bills win the coin toss, they win the game. Um, if you look at the stats, Josh Allen actually played a little bit better than Patrick Mahomes, which is crazy to say because – they both played lights mm-hmm. out. Um, so I think, I mean, it's very rare, Oscar, that, you ha- that you're able to watch an NFL game where both quarterbacks are, quote-unquote, in the zone in the same game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying, going back and forth. 
And so, like I said, just a pleasure to watch as a as a football fan. Um, I do feel bad for Josh Allen and the the um, and the Bills, especially because I have a, a little bit of a soft spot for Bills fans. You know, I can kind of relate to them as a Browns fan going through some you know heartache through the years. But um, yeah, man. I mean, it, like you said, it is what it is. The rules are what they are. Um, one thing that one thing that kind of <clears throat> doesn't doesn't like make me feel too bad for him is there was some, some questionable coaching towards the end of the game on the bills side. Um, I didn't, I didn't agree with them kicking it deep. I thought, you know, if you Mm -hmm. kick it somewhat short, take a few seconds off the clock. Now that they have one play instead of two plays. Um, So that's one thing. And then for them to give up, you know, that quick pass, I mean, the Tyreek pass kind of makes sense because if you're in cover four, right. And they throw a quick pass to Tyreek, He's like lightning fast. So before you know it, he's 15 yards upfield. That wouldn't make sense. But for you to give up a seam route to Travis Kelsey, I mean, I know he runs good routes, and I know he was, you know, leaning towards the outside, and then he threw it inside. But all that being said, I mean, you just have to I – mean, it just feels like really foolish from a coaching standpoint. And so because that is the case, and they were able to get that field goal at the end and then win in overtime, um, that's why I don't feel too bad for the Bills but I do think the rules should be changed. Um, I think college is closer to how it should be. And um, a buddy of mine brought up kind of an alternative um, tonight that I kind of agree with. And he said, what if in the NFL, both teams got a, got a shot to win kind of like college, except they got the ball at the 50 yard line instead of the 25. And so I kind of like that because if you're at the 50, you have to at least get a first down to kind of get in comfortable field goal range. And so I think that's kind of a nice medium in my opinion. But the uh, flip side I'm going to debate on that is it's a professional yeah. sport. So it's, you're, yeah. being, you're getting paid big money. It's an edge sport. So this is it. Yeah. Like you win the coin toss, it's defense time, right? The defense has to step right. up. Even if you win the coin toss, yeah. it doesn't matter. That means your defense has to somehow prevent a stop Make a to stop. get you a possession. Yeah. And so right. it's, it's, it's different because it's not amateur in that sense. You know what I mean? Where it's like mm-hmm. you're given yeah. the opportunity to participate. Where in the NFL, it's literally cutthroat. And so the bottom line is, you know, you've you got to step up your game on defense. I mean, once you know the coin toss is done, uh, you know that, mm-hmm. right? You, you're, you're a coach. It's like, okay, now, yeah. now we're shorthanded. Now we really got to make a stop. So it's really no different yep. than fourth and one. they got to stop them. Uh, but, it, you know, it's, back, it's yeah. great back, to see two quarterbacks, to your point, two young quarterbacks, mm-hmm. to your point, probably the future of the NFL, right? When we think about Manning yep. and Brady. Absolutely. At, the, at their mm-hmm. peak, I think we're starting to see that right now with Mahomes and uh, and Allen. Oh, yeah, they're the future, absolutely. And they proved it. On the biggest stage, you know, win or go home, they went toe-to-toe, almost both played nearly flawless football. Um, I, you know, I, I do feel bad for Josh Allen because he played so well. I mean, he couldn't have played much better. Um, and for him to lose that game in Kansas City, you know, with all that stuff going against him, um, it's just heart wrenching, but to your point, you know, you're in the NFL. You lose the you lose the toss. You got to make a stop. If you can't make a stop, you really deserve to win the game. And so that is a valid point too. So there's both ways to look at it. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we can take the refs situation on every on every game. Uh, you can call yeah. out the refs for whatever mistakes and everything else. But the bottom line is, yeah. you made a point there too. There's some coaching uh, coaching changes and decisions that were made in game that could have benefited mm-hmm. one way or the other. And those, you know, you know, as a coach, 
you regret that. You end up losing the game. Mm-hmm. You go back, like right, you said, with game film, and you could have just, okay, you guys, you're basically punishing yourself, right, for the fact that you yeah. made a better <laughs> the play. Whole <laughs> called a better play, right? I mean, yeah. so I'm pretty sure yeah. the Bills staff is going to be doing the same thing, right? They could have just – they could have done oh, something different. Yeah. They could have prevented something. 200%. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Rick Rasmussen of the Utah Falcons because um, he's been coaching a lot longer than I have, and he said basically he's not a very big fan of blaming who wins a game on refs because the problem with having that premise that you know refs decided the game is that if let's let's say you you lost a close game right and you're saying a, a bad call was the difference whose fault is it that it was a close game, right? <laughs> if, if you play better, if you coach better, if you execute better, then it's not even close enough for the refs to decide the game. And so that's, that, that's a counter-argument to that. Um, but it does so, suck you when, know, to you know. Point, Terry, to his point is, why are we handing the decision to the, to the zebras, right? <laughs> why exactly. are we allowing the zebras don't to even let them, Yeah, don't even let them decide the game. Just do it, you know, take it over yourself. Your yeah, I mean, if you have enough, a large lead, that's on you, right? If you don't get the lead, if you don't, you know, put up the, what do you call it, the afterburners, when you need to put yeah. the afterburners on, uh, then it, you, you you have them linger, as they say, right? So have them linger around. Yep, you you're gonna, let them stick they're around. They're going to bite you. Yep. And they bite you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what did you think, Terry, of the uh, the initial, I mean, if you're like uh, the, uh, the wide receiver Davis, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel guy, right? I'm and aware. I'm, I'm aware. Yes, I was only two of three guys in the lower pools that put Davis on their card. Everybody else had the main guys, including Stefan Diggs, and Stefan Diggs was nowhere to be found. That's true. Yeah, I mean, to the to the um, the Chiefs' credit, they did a good job of guarding Diggs. I'm sure that he would have gotten mm-hmm. more catches if he was open more. Um, but Josh Allen was locked in, and he he, he didn't give a damn. Who, who he was throwing to as long as they were open. He just wanted to win. Um, for Gabriel da- – his name is Gabriel Davis, right? Yeah, Gabriel Davis. Yeah, so he had four touchdowns, which is crazy. It's a new record. Um, so he just had a crazy game. Hopefully that, hopefully you were, you were able to make a few dollars off of his performance. Um, oh, there's Bankroll. Yeah, if I, I would like to shake his hand and congratulate yeah. him for putting me over the top, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good on you for putting him in there because – I, I actually can relate to you because um, in fantasy football, I'm in like five leagues, three of them for money. And towards the end of the season, you know, when you're looking at the waiver wire, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, sl- slim pickings. And Gabriel Davis is one of the guys that I researched, you know, because he was kind of coming on a little bit at, towards the end of the season, getting more looks, scoring here and there. Yep. And so I, I think I picked him up in one league and, and put him in. But, um, but, yeah, he balled out in that game. I mean, that one replay, Oscar, where they showed he ran like a – he ran like a corner route. It was like a corner post. So when he hit the corner to fake out the DB, he faked him out so bad that he fell down. And it was a wide open yep. touchdown. I mean, that's just like a receiver's dream. You know what I mean? Just like you can't do it any better. But, yeah, that, that honestly might be the, one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And that's saying a lot because I've watched a lot of football. And um, especially since I used to play quarterback myself, it was just like I was in heaven just seeing them go, go back and forth. It just kind of sucks for Josh Allen because – he played so lights out, and you know his season's over. So it's unfortunate, but so I mean, he's young. Let's so give, it a, let's give them there. their uh, let's give them their due, right? The real New York yeah. team 
made it to the playoffs while the other two New York teams were sitting at home, the non-factor New York team. So we'll just put that yeah. out there now. Because that's what most Bills fans will tell you. That's you know, the Bills that's are the real yeah. New York team, you know, from New York well, State. For now, that's definitely the case, for sure. <laughs> Not debatable. Because the other ones are in Jersey, so <laughs> they're yeah. non-factors. Um, yeah, so, for now. I, 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 I appreciate it, like, to your point, I appreciated the mm-hmm. fact that this game was played back and forth. It was really, you know, really edging, and you it put you on the edge of your seat. You really were competitive. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, it was just it was just a classic to end the weekend, right? Everybody assumed, yeah. oh, hopefully it doesn't win a dud, you know, where it's a blowout game. But no, mm-hmm. they 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 put up a good performance, a, a great performance. Um, let's go back to Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers uh, at Twitter's. Twitter's all over it. You know, this guy is not vaccinated. All the drama in the offseason, uh, yeah, all the haters. Hey, we want him to lose. This guy should be punished. Yep. <laughs> you mm-hmm. name it. Cut his hair. <laughs> yeah, off to the head. Um, yep, yep. So if you're the Niners, Terry, I mean, they came in pretty confident. Uh, they, they, they take the advantage on special teams, and really the difference mm-hmm. was right there. Yeah, that, that game was kind of – I wouldn't say hard to watch because it was close, so it was entertaining. But it was low scoring. You know, it was in Green Bay, so, like, frigid temperatures, snow, you know, which should be to the Packers, you know, favor because that's that's their home field. But it didn't really seem like it worked out for them. I mean, they had a hard time, you know, scoring points the whole day. And um, I don't know, I kind of feel bad for the Packers. I know nobody else does. But for them to lose that way at home, um, versus, you know, a huge underdog in the 49ers. Um, the reason that it's hard for me to swallow as a fan is it literally came down to a block punt. You know what I mean? And so we know common football knowledge. You don't have to be a football coach to know this. You know, you need to coach all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. So I don't know if special teams isn't as much of a focus for the Packers than it should be, um, but it sounds like the feedback that I had in interviews – and stuff that I watched, it sounded like it was an ongoing problem this season with the Packers. So it wasn't anything new, um, but it just sucks that it cost them their season. You know what I mean? Like, to, for it to come down to a block punt and then you lose by three, I mean, that's that's pretty tough to swallow. Coach, as you're watching that, I was watching it, and I got to that point in, in like, the second, third quarter, right after the, right after the half, and it yeah. really started to be a factor because – it wasn't mm-hmm. a situation where the offense, uh, their offense in terms of the Packers was not generating much of, uh, of an effort because of the, the Niner defense was so stout. They were really just yeah. rushing and, and taking the lanes away. Yep. Yeah, and so to the 49ers' credit, they played four quarters. They played very spirited football. Debo Samuel is a monster. Everybody knows that. Um, mm-hmm. Kittle's a monster. You know, Jimmy – played uh, I mean Jimmy pretty much does what he always does right he threw a pick and he played decently the rest of the time um so, which is kind of predictable at this point so they played well their defense played really well so the reason I mean I had a hard time believing because I was texting my buddy who is a Packers fan during the game I said I have a hard time believing you're going to hold Aaron Rodgers you know under 14 points he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time he's got Devontae Adams He's got Aaron Jones and, you know, Dylan and all these other guys, these weapons around him. 
I don't see, especially at home in a playoff game, I don't see how you keep them under two touchdowns. And they did. So, long story short, the 49ers played lights-out defense. They got stops when they needed to. And even though the block punt was kind of fluky, in my opinion, um, that was enough for them to edge them out. You know what I mean? And so, you go back to the same thing we just said about refs. You know, if, if, it, if you put the game away, the refs can't decide the game. And if the Packers had scored more than 10 points, then they, you know, wouldn't be, have been in that situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there's more credit to go to the 49ers than, you know, kind of dumping on the, the Packers. But just, it's to, the you know, it's a tough be, way. The history between these two teams, uh, Coach, yeah. has always been kind of bitterness. So it's kind of like a rivalry of rivalries because of the fact that the Niners did not draft, you know, the quarterback from Green Bay, Rodgers. Yeah. That's always the storyline that happens, right? Um, and then, obviously, the storyline on the other side, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, Holly's talked about it. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get good Jimmy or bad Jimmy, right? It's always like the, <laughs> kind of like the cringe mode for the Niner fanfare, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who are we getting here? Yeah. Um, so, at this point, it's like he just got away with, you know, one uh, the one interception, but like you said, he managed the game enough to where they, they break it out. But the, the punt block, really the big difference. Uh, San Francisco special mm-hmm. teams and the defense really won the game because offensively they didn't really Absolutely. do much besides that one Debo play. But yeah, hats off to yeah. the defense and the special teams. Yeah, two things stick out to me, Oscar, in that game. One is the punt block. So what happened on the punt block, right? So one of the rules, as far as I know, is that when, you're, when you have a long snapper that's about to snap a punt, you can't have somebody, like, over them that's going to, like, rush – you know what I mean, while they're, while they're snapping, because it's like an unfair advantage, mm-hmm. right, because they have their head down, they're not prepared. But um, John from the Denver Bandits was saying that once you pull your head up, after you snap the ball, then it's fair game. Well, if you watch Correct. the replay, what's interesting is the guy, the, the player to the right of, of the long snapper is who blocked the punt. And what he did was as soon as it was snapped, he rushed that A-gap right next to the long snapper to his right and then was able to basically get a free pass because the, the guard was kicking out somebody else. The, the long snapper wasn't able to react, because when he's p- picking his mm-hmm. head up, the guy was already past him. And so I, I don't know if that's like a kind of a loophole in the rule or what, but, I mean, even if it is, you have to give credit to the 49ers coaching staff, right? Because that's a coaching thing. If your coaching staff oh, yeah. figured out a loophole on how to block a punt that you can get away with and not get called, then kudos to you. The other thing that stuck out to me is 49ers were driving – they were trying to get in field goal range to win the game, and there was like a third and seven, right? Oscar, they ran the ball with Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel ran for a first down. Now, yep. how in the world, Oscar, how in the world, as a Packers defense, now I understand Debo Samuel is one of the best players in the league. He had a great season this season. He's dynamic. He can catch the ball, run the ball. He's just a, he's a headache. I understand all that. I understand he's hard to tackle, he's strong, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that. But third and seven, Oscar, how do you let the most dynamic player on their offense run an inside zone for over seven yards for a first down? So that pretty much sealed the game. That put him in field goal range. It was, it was game over at that point. So that was their last chance to get a stop. And they literally let the best player on another team run for, I think it was nine yards. Like that just blows my mind as a coach. You know what I mean? Like, What? Yeah, I know you were having a stroke, wonder, Coach. Watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> that's so crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like, 
I don't claim to be Vince Lombardi or anything. They made, Terry. They they made those types of mistakes, and like you said, those come back to bite you. I mean, those are big big difference makers. And so, uh, given the lack of special special team uh, success on the Packers side, and then some of those key elements that you're mentioning, they they just they they didn't play good enough, right? Even even uh, Rogers said after the game. Offensively, they were they were not even in tune of what they were doing. I mean, they didn't have really any type of rhythm. They weren't going, you know. What I mean, so defensively, they had their number. I mean, they were covered one on one. They had they had everybody covered. The um, the running game wasn't there. I think Adams was the only guy that was a real factor uh, for the Packers. Other than that, yeah. everybody was shut down completely. So you know, hats off to Shanahan. I mean, he's to do, and uh, you know, the mm-hmm. amount of the turnaround season for the Niners is very impressive. You know what I mean? To go from they were oh, they were at like yeah. week three, week four, injuries, um, you know, uh, the running back situation tossed in the air. Uh, defensive defensively, they were they were banged up. You know what I mean? So if, to get to this point here, uh, I mean, yeah. God, it's just you know, it's gritty, right? They got to get here, and then to have the the special teams step up. And to have the defense completely uh, come through for them, I mean that that was just huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well said. And I, I had a conversation with a guy that's a 49ers fan, kind of like mid-season, right? And they they were they mm-hmm. had kind of a they didn't have a good record. I don't remember what it was, but basically, if you did the math for the rest of the games, if they won out, they won all the rest of their games. They, they ran the table. They would have 11, 11 wins, which obviously would get them in the playoffs. But what ended up happening was they won all of them except for one. So they ended up winning 10, mm-hmm. which got them in the playoffs anyways. And now you see they're in the NFC championship. So for me, it comes down to um, when are you playing your best football? Are you playing your best football at the end of the season, into the playoffs? You know, m- momentum's a real thing. And so the fact that the Niners were playing really good football going into the playoffs makes you wonder how far can they go? Can they pull a, you know, New York Giants, you know, where they barely got in the playoffs and end up winning a Super Bowl? You know, who knows? Um, I'm not personally a believer in Jimmy G. I don't have anything against him personally, but I'm not a believer in him. I believe as, you as and a, Holly are on the same page because I don't think Holly yeah. is a big fan of Jimmy G. <laughs> right, right. And you, we know how important quarterback is. He's so a good-looking that guy. That's be... what everybody tells me in, in 49er Nation. Good-looking guy, but yeah. – yeah. It's a heckle and jekyll, yeah, right? You don't know what you, you don't know which guy you're gonna get. Yeah, he's likable. He's a good-looking guy. Um, his teammates like him, and uh, he doesn't seem like he's he's dumb or anything. But you know, he's he just feels like a liability. When you're watching 49ers games, it feels like he's gonna turn the ball over. It's just a matter of when, whether it be a fumble or or a pick or both. And so that's just not a good feeling as a football, you know, as as a Niner fan. So since quarterback is as important as it is, you have to assume that's going to eventually bite them in the, in the butt. Um, and so we'll see if that happens against the Rams or if they're actually actually able to make it to the ball. But, um, yeah, like you said, kudos to them. I mean, they had a, a crappy season, and then they turned it in to win, almost winning out, and now they're in the NFC Championship, and that all is a complete credit to their team, their defense, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, um, Jimmy G at times, and, uh, you know, just great, good coaching. And so, you know, whether, the only whether they found a loophole on a pump block or it not. Seems like, it seems like 
they beat my Rams and then they got new life. Just bites me right now. Just bites me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, Coach? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that, that we I mean, gave them of... life and now we have to yeah. meet them for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's only fair, yeah. I guess, in that sense. As as Aaron <laughs> Donald says, these are the guys that have had our number, and now we got a we got one game to to get to get it right, right to, to end it. That's to true. go to the Super Bowl. That's, That's what he said. Yeah. They own us. Now we have to figure out how we're going to make this right one step to the Super Bowl. So he knows. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows what they're all about. He knows what they're going to bring. He's no stranger to that. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you've heard in football, it's hard to beat the same team three times in one season. Um, we've seen that in women's football. You know, a uh, few years ago when the Mississippi Panthers were in the WFA, they used to play against the Mississippi Royalty, and um, mm-hmm. Mississippi Royalty beat them both times in regular season, and then the Panthers beat them in the playoffs when it mattered. So, you know, um, it is hard to beat the same team three times. If I if I remember correctly, I think the Niners beat the Rams pretty badly the first game, and then in the second game it was really close, and the Niners barely won. So, based on that, you would assume that the Rams are getting very close to figuring it out and getting over the hump of beating the 49ers. But, you know, a win is a win. So, <laughs> and so they're 2-0 so against Terry, the guys. And so. If you're McVay right now, you literally yeah. have the biggest pressure on the planet, right? The Niners have nothing to oh, lose. Yeah, they yeah, they have nothing pressure, to yeah. lose. They, can, they know playing they with can house beat money. you. They beat you in the regular <laughs> season, right? You're McVay. Yep. One step to the Super Bowl, and you're at that at, at your house. You got to play the Super Bowl mm-hmm. at your own field. How yep. how you know? I mean, it's like he's got to he's got to be thinking about that like twenty four seven right now till the end till the beginning of the game because it's literally yeah. it's can he get it done? It's really the mindset now, right? Coming into this game, yeah. it is all on him. Everybody's going to be watching him. They're not even watching Kyle because they already know what Kyle can do and what Kyle has done. Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of life. So if you're a coach, Terry, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. high blood pressure already? <laughs> high blood pressure. <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know Sean McVay, so he could be, you know, a really cool customer and nothing really gets under, you know, nothing gets to him, and he, he's really hard to, to, to rattle. Or he could be a nervous wreck. You know, I don't, I don't know him. But um, to your point, I mean, all the pressure is on the Rams, unfortunately. Um, the the yep. Niners are playing with house money. And um, because that is the case, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. You know what I mean? Because there's everything is on the line. It's going to be in L.A. You know the 49ers fans are going to be trying to to pack the stands to even out the crowd noise. And so it's going to be electric. Um, But one other thing I'd like to add is the way the the Rams have treated this season is they are very much in a win-now mode. And so they, they went out and got Matt Stafford to upgrade from Jared Goff. They went and got o- Odell Beckham. They went and got Von Miller. Like, these are all things that you do when you want to win now, right? When you think you have, a, like, kind of a short, short window um, and unique talent on a team. And so since they did do that, that worked out for them. They're in the NFC Championship. And so now the question is, do they exercise their demon of the 49ers finally when it counts in game three? Or, you know, does the curse continue? <laughs> and then the Niners have an improbable Super Bowl appearance against 
most likely the Chiefs, in my opinion. Yeah, more likely. I mean, it's a great storyline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, to run the table, get to the playoffs, you know, lower yeah. seed, you're going to beat Green uh-huh. Bay, you're going to beat – you end up beating L.A. if that's the case, and you get to the Super Bowl, yeah, I mean, that. what what more do you want, right? And to win yeah. it they're, in they're, L.A.? They're all, they're all away games, too. I mean, it's, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. I mean, it's just – It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward Tom to it. Brady, Both games are on Sunday. Tom Brady, I was watching the game, uh, Tampa Rams, yeah. and you know I was glued to the TV, and I was like, okay, this is this is too easy. It's been too easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they started yeah. firing, coming all cylinders, everything's good. And then mm-hmm. even my wife said, wait for it. Wait for it. And then here we go. Second half, here we go. Brady gets going. Their defense steps up. Start getting the yeah. you know, turnovers, and then it looked like the Rams at that point. Sean and the Rams coach. It looked like at that point they were like, "Crap!" Right? Because <laughs> they were like on a roll, and all of a sudden, you know, you're giving Brady under five minutes possessions, and then 42 seconds before that. And I mean, I, I if it wasn't for those two plays by Cooper Cup, uh, I think Tampa mm-hmm. moves on. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, yeah, I completely agree with what your wife said. The way it worked out for me, I, I usually would be watching all those games in their entirety, but I wasn't able to because Sunday um, I had to show, show some houses for real estate, and then I stopped by the Denver Bandits football practice um, with my dog for a little bit, and then after that I was able to catch the rest of the game. So when I tuned in, um, the score was around 27-13 Rams. Um, and so at that point, I knew, I knew it was two scores, obviously. And I said, okay, well, right now, one of two things happens. Either, what your wife said, <laughs> Brady turns it on, says, I'm the GOAT. We're going to tie this game up, go into overtime, or we're, we're going to win it. Just like, you know, when, they, when he did that, did that to the Falcons when he's on the Pats. Either that's going to happen, he's going to make a run and make it interesting at the end, or he's not going to, the Rams are going to shut the door get a stop, keep scoring on offense, and put it, put it too far, you know, put it away as far as the distance, of, you know, of, of the score. And so I didn't know, I didn't know which one was going to happen. I think it's more likely that Brady would make a run because he's Brady, um, and that's obviously what did happen. But it's funny because I told Marcel, the owner of the Denver Bandits, that uh, <laughs> when you guys went, went, not you guys, when Brady scored to tie the game with, I don't know how many seconds was left, I said, well, this – I mean, that's awesome that they were able to come back, but I got bad news for you. Matt Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when it comes to a game-winning situation. Like, if you look up his stats of game-winning drives and overtime mm-hmm. wins and, you know, all that stuff, he's got like 42 of those. <laughs> like, he's like, you know, top three or five in the NFL. So, um, since he has done that so much in his career, even when he was, when he was in Detroit, um, I know that he can do it. I know that he's a, he's a clutch player. He can play, you know, when when the lights are bright. And so I said, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't feel too comfortable if I was a a Bucks fan. And what do you know? <laughs> Stafford makes two passes. The, the last pass was most impressive to me as a quarterback because he got blasted as soon as he threw it, and he threw like right down the middle, over the shoulder to Cup. You know, he had to put touch on it. it had to be super accurate because there wasn't there's about two yards between him and Winfield, um, but perfect pass right in the bread basket, 
to win the game. And, of course, Cooper Cup, the best, NFL, best receiver in the NFL this season, caught it. And so another epic game. <laughs> I'm not surprised at how it finished. Um, but I am glad that the Bucks made it a game, you know, because my prediction was all four of the games this weekend were going to be pick em games, basically, no, no true favorites. And so for a while there, it looked like the Rams were going to make me wrong about that. But the Bucks made it a game, so it was fun to watch. What do you think of Brady at this point, retirement coach, or do you think he's going to just rethink it and come back another year? Um, that's a good question. I would say, I would say I would lean more towards him coming back because mm-hmm. he takes really good care of his body. Um, he feels like he can play for a few more years at least, and um, he hates losing. You know what I mean? So this. This season, even though you did make it interesting at the end, it did end end up in a loss. And uh, I think as long as he feels like he can do it physically, which he can, I, I don't see, I don't I don't foresee him, you know, calling it quits. I don't think he really wants to go out like that. You know what I mean? Um, but who knows? That's just my educated guess. I think he played well, real well. He he pretty much knew already. Uh, once that mm-hmm. that throw, you know, to, to Cup was completed, he already knew obviously that that, that was going to be the end with the with the field goal by Gay. Oh, for to, sure. To kind of for sure. And you can tell the Rams were kind of relieved because it was just you know they they knew that if you give the ball back to them, it's, it's going to be a different story. In so, overtime, yeah. Uh, that's all, you know, yeah, exactly. You don't want to go that route. Yeah. And so exactly. I was like so happy, and at the same time I was disappointed. I was like, man, what are we doing here? We're just like just crapping out, right? Second half, crapping down. Uh, I mean, yeah. it was just – but, you know, you got you to credit the Bucks defense. You know, some of those turnovers, they did crush them down. Uh, the the turnover on Akers, that was a forced fumble, stripped out, you know. And when oh, he was dude. Running. That, that you know what I mean? So that was – yeah. I, I'm just saying that, that was – those were all decent plays by them, right? They, they, they took yeah. advantage of him, him not holding the ball enough. Uh, he wasn't crutching the ball together. Um, he was just you yeah. know, kind of gingerly having it to the side. They took advantage of it. So yeah. there's a lot of mistakes that were made there. So uh, against the Niner defense, uh, that's got to get, you know, you got to take that in consideration. I was just, like, blown yeah. away that McVay didn't do the two the two set back like he did in the, uh, in, you know, in the last week of the season, which you throw in Michelle in the red zone and you throw mm-hmm. in Akers just yeah. to get there. You know what I mean? It's like you got to use all your weapons. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing there. So I mean, Michelle, son of Michelle, is so great in the red zone. I don't understand why he's mm-hmm. not giving the ball that way. You know, he can get you nine yards easily if you got the guy yeah. a gaps. From from what I've seen, when I've watched the Rams this season, it kind of seems like McVay um, is of the opinion that he likes to ride, ride the hot hand, right? So whether whether no. that's Henderson when Henderson was healthy, or Sony Michelle when he filled in, or now Cam Akers because Cam Akers just came back now because he was out for, like, most of the season. Um, it seems like he likes to, you know, pick one guy to be the main back and then ride whoever's hot from there. Um, and so I guess that's that's why he went to Akers most of the time. But I agree with you. I, I think Sonny Michel has proven to be a good running back his, his whole career, especially in the red zone. Um, and so I'm surprised they don't use him more. Um, yeah, it's kind of but Cam also look really good. What's that? It kind of shocks me he doesn't want to do a balance attack, you know, a two-set back balance yeah. attack. Yeah. Yeah. Cam Akers looked really good the last game against Arizona, 
Um, he looked like he was like a man possessed. You could tell he had all that energy pin up all season from, you know, working through an injury and not being able to play. And so I can see why, like, you would want to have that kind of guy as your main guy when it counts. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you said, if you have two good running backs, why not use them? Why not keep them both fresh? And they obviously have different skill sets, so why not use all your toys? But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty two. Yeah, and I, I think right now the, the if you go into the into the games that we're going into, um, you know, yeah. Los Angeles is it's basically on the hot seat. You know, like you said, they got everything riding for them. They, they got to finish yeah. it, right, because they, they basically leveraged the farm, to your point. Yeah, they went all they, in. They got, they got yeah. to make it happen now, right? Big pressure. For the Niners, <laughs> I mean, it's a feel-good story for the Niners, right? You got basically yeah. the defense – riding you into the playoffs because offensively they're not that good besides, you know, Debo and, and Kittle and the question mark at quarterback uh, special teams mm-hmm. has been the difference there. And obviously the defense has been the difference there. So they've been riding that mm-hmm. for the last three weeks or so. So that's, that's the factor that you got to face. If the Rams can somehow contain uh, the defense, you know, take advantage of the defense in that sense, um, they're able to maybe get a win that way with Stafford as an edge, but it's going to be a great game. And then being a West coast type matchup, I think it, it's great yeah. for the NFL to finally get, you know, the, the West coast mentality, the North versus South in California type attitude makes it relevant yeah. for the division two yeah. and to yeah. go that route with the, with the rivalry, kind of renewing the rivalry in that sense too, uh, in the playoff mode. Um, what do we say of man, Burrow coach? I mean, you could have just put him in a bag. And sent him to the morgue. Boy, that guy was getting whacked. <laughs> Man, that I mean, I, I mentioned it in our in our chat, but it blows my mind, Oscar. Before the season started, you know, I'm I'm obviously a huge Browns fan. I uh, make sure that I'm tuned in to anything AFC North, and so I've kind of pride myself in my opinion of that division in particular. And I I, I picked the Bengals to miss the playoffs this season, and the only reason I say that is because they don't protect the quarterback. And so, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't protected last season. I think he got injured. And so they didn't, you know, they didn't draft all offensive linemen. They didn't really – they might have picked up one in free agency or um, – yeah, I think they picked up maybe one, maybe two. I think one, though, in free agency. But besides that, they didn't change their offensive line, which is horrible. So I'm like, okay, well, you have Joe Burrow, who I'm a believer in. Unfortunately, he's already suffered an ACL injury because – you don't protect him. Then you draft his college teammate, Jamar Chase, who could be a star. You know, we don't really know, but they obviously will have chemistry. Um, but then still, you know, my, my, my coach brain <laughs> says, if you, don't, if you don't protect the quarterback, you don't have a good offensive line, you're going to have a good, hard time winning games. And so the irony of me saying that is I wasn't wrong because Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season. But what I was wrong about was was he defied logic in that when he wasn't being sacked, he was so accurate and so dynamic um, and threw so many awesome passes and touchdowns to Jamar Chase that that production that he had when he wasn't being sacked was enough to keep them relevant and keep them competitive and win enough games to win the North. And so that's not something that I advise for anybody (laughs) to, to, um, you know, not protect your quarterback and have them get sacked that much but I mean it is what it is they're, they're in the AFC championship somehow they're playing against the Chiefs I'll be very 
surprise if they beat the Chiefs. Um, but at the same time, I thought they were going to lose the Titans too. So, I mean, this season you never know. If you're coach, if you're, I mean, God, that Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, unblockable. Yeah. I mean, that guy was just literally penetrating on on, on snap, and that's what's ca- that yeah. was causing, you know. And 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 you, I don't know what you what do you do there, coach? Is, is the offensive line just shitty, just crappy, just the guys getting yeah. overpowered, or what? It just looked that way. Well, it it could be a few different things. It could be that the guy's that good that almost anybody you put in front of him, he's going to, he's going to dominate because he's like Aaron Donald. You know what I mean? He's got that kind of generational talent or it's that your line does suck, right? Whoever's lined up over him does suck. So like when the Browns had their backup right tackle going against TJ Watt and and he got four sacks. Yeah. Well, it's like, okay, you know, obviously, you know, captain obvious, like, you know, one plus one is two. And then the other thing is, um, a coaching. This is the third part is coaching. So, so A is he is a dominant. He's just going to dominate whoever most of the time. B is the guy in front of him does suck, which probably was the case. Then three is coaching. So something that I was I was frustrated with with coaching and with the Browns is we have T.J. Watt going against our backup right tackle, and we're not scheming it right. We're not. We don't have a tight end chipping T.J. Watt. We don't have a running back staying back to, to help protect T.J. Watt, nothing is being done extra to compensate for one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, which resulted in three sacks and a loss to the Steelers. So that frustrated well, me as doesn't a it blow your, Doesn't it blow your mind you have no second-level shield, as one of my coaches would say, to your point right now, yeah. right? You already yeah. know the guy is dominant, and you've got to create two yeah. shields, right? You've got to get two yeah. barriers, a first block, and you got to have, like you said, a backup shield. A backup, yeah. Try to, like, at contain, least, right? At least. Because you know he's that good. Yeah, you have to at least chip him, if not have two people, like, dedicated to blocking him, which sucks as a, as a coach because if you have two players that are, that are occupied by one player, then that, and especially if one of them is a tight end or a running back who, who could be going out for a pass or could be, you know, doing something productive on offense, if he's not doing that, if he has to block instead, now he's one less person you can use in your play. So now instead of you having, you know, three guys, you know, four, four guys out in patterns, you have three guys out there, less options for the quarterback to throw to, you know, it's just, it changes everything. But those are the things you need to do, right? For me as a coach, I would pick protecting my quarterback um, and doing the smart thing to offset dominant players even if it means I'm going to be a little bit, you know, um, limited on offense. That's how, that's how I look at it. Maybe a different coach would disagree. My two cents. The scheming, um, the scheming has to be like you said. You're you're going to be only given two options. So you you you, mm-hmm. the way you're going to run the play is going to be because you're giving up two. You really only have two, mm-hmm. and now it's more pressure on those other two that you are going to throw to, right? Because the quarterback right. now understands that exactly. you have two targets, and now those guys have to understand that they got to get better separation, right? Because they, they're yep. on, they're yep. the only ones on the on, on the play. So there's there's it obviously pressure everything. on every side. Yeah, it makes everything harder. <laughs> so guys like T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald that are game wreckers, you know Jeffrey Simmons, like you said, um, they just wreck games. You know what I mean? And the, the other offenses have to figure it out. Um, but for for Joe Burrow to get sacked nine times um, versus 
the Titans and they won the game is completely mind-blowing to me. And it, it, it's not like it's new, right? Because he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this season and they won the AFC North. So, like, that's mind-blowing to me. And then the fact that they're in the AFC Championship is even more mind-blowing to me. But I do think their luck's going to run out this weekend. I think the Chiefs are just too dynamic. Um, hopefully Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt. I, I like the guy a lot. I, I think he's going to have a, gr- a great career. Um, but eventually, you know, that catches up to you. You can't – I don't remember any team in history that had the quarterback sacked that much that won a championship. And so I don't think that's going to change. I really don't think uh, the, he's ready for the body bag, but, you know, on the chief <laughs> side, I think they're ready yeah. to seal that zipper. You know what I mean? They're coming oh, for yeah. it. They already know sure. that they can oh, do it. Tennessee did it. Everybody's been doing it all year. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're almost like a pack of, a pack of dogs. They're probably ready to go. Yeah. Especially if that line yeah, that like week. Sharks. Yeah, they know they're going to have to take advantage. I mean, if you're, if you're a coach and you're dissecting this game, Coach uh, Lister, you already know. You're like that that yeah. that that fence is broken. <laughs> we're gonna get mm-hmm. the, we're gonna get our picks, you know. So yeah, uh, and, more than likely and, and, that's and, gonna happen in terms of the Kansas City scheme. Yeah, any football fan can see that. You know, he is the most sacked quarterback. He got sacked nine times. Somehow they still won the game. You know, Tannehill threw three interceptions. One of them very costly. So all that contributed. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan or a Chiefs coach or a Chiefs player. You are licking your lips. I mean, you're a, you're a shark and there's blood in the water. You know what I mean, you cannot wait to feast on that Bengals I mean, offensive line. It's a better situation so. for the Chiefs, Terry, because offensively they're they're really good. Defensively, yeah. they got to be somewhat great. But now that you know that you can penetrate that Cincinnati line and get to the quarterback, mm-hmm. man, yeah. that's like make that makes that's a dual dual threat. That that's a a precursor to a blowout to your point, right? There's opportunity yeah. for the, the Chiefs just to take over on both sides. Yeah. On offense and defense. Yeah. Because we know what they can do yeah, offensively. I yeah, I wouldn't say that it's likely because the Bengals have been able to be competitive, even with a bad offensive line this season. Um, so I expect them to try to put up a fight. But but honestly, to Oscar, I'm not sure if they can. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be in Kansas City. Kansas City has – one of, if not the most dynamic offense in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, a, a better offensive line than them, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, et cetera, et cetera. So going against that, um, trying to keep up with that offense basically is my point, with your offense that's probably going to double-team Jamar Chase, you know, like Joe Burrow is going to have to play near-perfect football to keep it close. And he's a really good quarterback, and he could do that. Um, but you know, so one the only thing I'm going to say, coach, is T. Higgins has got to show up, and it was, uh, uh, and the tight end's got to show up because yeah, you take down Chase. There's some other playmakers have to come into in, into view, and and T. Higgins has been literally not not um, not a factor. It wasn't even a factor yeah. against Tennessee. So so there's weapons he's got, yeah. whether they're going to use him or not. You know, that's, that's going to keep. Um, coach, what do we say of Tennessee? We get Tannehill, we fell in love with Tannehill, and then all of a sudden now we're not falling in love with Tannehill. You know, the relationship's changing. <laughs> uh, Derrick Henry goes down, right, getting all back. Still get, you know, to get to the playoffs. Um, but at this point, man, uh, was, was, it was 
Tannehill and that offense just stuck in mud. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be too critical about t- Tennessee because they lost Derrick Henry, who's their best player, um, like what, midseason? And then they ended up still somehow getting the number one seed in the AFC. So for them to win that many games without their best player um, is obviously great coaching, um, in my opinion. So to their credit, they were able to somehow still win enough games to be the number one seed without Derrick Henry. Then they get Derrick Henry back in the playoffs, which is like perfect timing, right? Um, So I don't think Derrick Henry was like his normal self. You know, I think there's a little bit of a difference of how he looked like normal Derrick Henry. Um, to how he looked against the Bengals. One. I was one of the smart people that did not play him on Daily Fantasy, just to make make sure everybody understands that. See? That was one yeah. of the smart moves. Because I went with Michelle, and I went with uh, you know Dylan on certain cards. But, you know, I yeah. just didn't understand. I, I totally understand what he's all about, but mm-hmm. I was in the same boat you were, hesitant, mm-hmm. because we had no idea, you know, who we're going to get. Well, you should be, yeah. I mean, he's Eric Henry. He, he's he's a, a beast. He's a freak of nature athletically. He's big and fast and strong and all that stuff. The only unknown is, you know, you know what you're getting with Derrick Henry when he's healthy, right, when he's normal Derrick Henry. He's, he's going to run for, you know, 1,600 yards, close to 2,000 yards. He's going to get about 16 touchdowns, awesome fantasy player, um, you know, just basically a main part of their offense. But when you have, when you have him coming back from his injury – first game back, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know if he's going to be his normal self. He's going to be 75% of what he was before. You know, if, if they had won the game, maybe he is his normal self the next week. You know what I mean? You don't know where he's at with his recovery process. Um, but like you said, if you're playing DraftKings or fantasy football, it's just not worth risking it. So it's better to stay away. Yeah, I mean, he's high-priced, and his his uh, potential is very low in terms of, you know, in terms of yeah. output because of the lack of yeah. injury. So it's like you, you had to go gotcha. somewhere else that's smarter, I right? Gotcha. You, you know, just a gamble on every other player. Um, Coach, man. what do we say of, you know, first play from scrimmage and here we go, interception by Tannehill. That, if you're a Titan fan, you were like, damn, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you asked me about the Tannehill-Titans dynamic. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to say without talking to a Titans fan, but – I would assume that basically their opinion is what a lot of teams think. And there's about five or six teams in the NFL that think they're a quarterback away from being a really good team. Um, you know, like, uh, the you know, Washington and the Broncos. You know, the Broncos have a, a good defense and some weapons on offense, but quarterback play isn't that great. So there's, there's about a handful of teams that feel that way. And so I think that Titans add themselves to that list. They, they they feel great about Henry. They like Julio Jones and um, Brown, but um, and obviously their defense is good. They won a whole bunch of games this year. They've obviously coached well. Coaching isn't the problem. Um, but once again, that our favorite position, Oscar, quarterback, is the difference. And um, I'm not surprised that Tannehill came up short. Um, but I do kind of feel bad for Titans fans because, you know, for you to have the number one seed without Henry most of the season, you got to feel great about that, right? And then you're hosting somebody in the playoffs, you get a first-round bye, all that stuff's going for you. And then, um, 
you lose the first game to, you know, the Bengals, who uh, you were able to sack nine times, and, and somehow that wasn't enough. And then you look at the stat sheet. If you're the, the, the if you're the defense, and if you're the Titans defense, this was a letdown for you, right? Because you anticipated coming in here, you're ready to roll. You you thought you know you got Derrick Henry coming in. I mean, every Titan fan was out, but. Tannehill having a lousy day, Coach, man, that's just unacceptable. A lot of tw- a lot yeah. of guys on Twitter <laughs> that are Titans fans, it was like unacceptable, right? That was just not cool. I mean, deep yeah. early, missing, the, miss, missing A.J. Brown, missed, uh, missed a, cross, a crosser later. Uh, they just didn't, they didn't have, they weren't in sync. And then yeah. the, the biggest disappointment was what? Derrick Henry getting stuffed on fourth and short, that was yeah. just, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, three interceptions by Tannehill is too much. The one at the end set up the Bengals for a game-winning field goal. I mean, heart, heartbreaking loss for them. Um, but it is what it is. The Bengals came to play. Like you, like you said, there's always a flip side of the coin. You know, the, the Titans kind of choked. Tannehill choked, but also the Bengals made plays. They 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 forced that pressure to, you know, force the scenario of choking. So, um, I'm kind of happy for the Bengals. I mean, they're the only team in the North that I that I don't strongly dislike, and so and they were bad for a long time, like we were. So um, the only I'm reason you don't, you, the only reason you don't dislike them is because they're from Ohio. Come on, just be honest. That, that's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> You're Ohio yeah. Homer, they're south, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the north and south. I'm a feel good story, right, Terry? I mean, Joe Burrow is 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 a really good quarterback. If he had a better line, we'd probably see a Josh mm-hmm. Allen like performance, a Mahomes like performance. He's a really good quarterback. And now you have Chase. Yeah. We have no idea. We have no idea, like you said, how Chase will mature, right? We have no idea how this offense is going to evolve. They have weapons, right? They got a, a good tight end. They got Higgins, uh, they got Boyd. So overall, I mean, the, the, this uh, Cincinnati uh, offense, even if they don't get past this uh, Chiefs team uh, coming into the next season, there's promising things there. Uh, now they got to draft a wall. They got to go and try to draft a wall. You know, a really good wall. Absolutely. Yeah, my buddy said that he's he's kind of a half Bengals fan, half Browns fan. He said, "Man, if the Bengals get offensive line, watch out." And I said, yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. So I'm hoping that they don't get off the line. Because Joe Burrow is like Tom Brady. Joe Burrow is yeah. in that Tom Brady I mean, mentality. You know, he's, inside he's pocket so quarterback. Good, he doesn't escape often. Yeah. He does have the arm. He's able to get to the receivers so on short passes. Yeah, like you can, said, the, the wall has to be the difference. If they can leverage the wall, uh, they're going to be a factor. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping they don't because I'm a Browns fan. I want my Browns to return to the playoffs next season. You're an an NFL analyst right now. You're not a Browns fan. So you need to go, yes, Joe Burrow needs to get a wall. Yeah, Yeah. Joe Burrow needs to get a wall. That's the only thing he's missing. Um, But he is an awesome quarterback. He he can make all the throws. He's smart. He can make the reads. He's, you know, like beyond his years for maturity. And um, they're fun to watch. But I think think his – they're not protecting the quarterbacks. Gonna, you know, the luck's gonna run out on Sunday when the when they play sure. the Chiefs because the Chiefs are so explosive and, you know, eventually you can't you can't uh, mortgage the bank on playing that kind of football. It's just it's gonna catch up to you eventually. But 
It was, it was a good one. And, well, you know what? We can't, for, we can't forget about um, Joe Mixon. In the, I mean, so they got a good offense. They need to just get a yeah. better offensive line, and I think that exactly. that will be the the difference for them. You know what I mean? They got to get that short. The defense I think is really oh. decent. The defense has played good all mm-hmm. year. Shout out to uh, Joe Burrow for you know standing upright and not going to the morgue. Shout out to yeah. him for being the number one overall uh, quarterback drafted in a and to win two, uh, you know, to win a divisional playoff game within his first two seasons. So that's pretty impressive. But can we keep him alive, Bengals fan? That's literally yeah. the question. Can we keep him alive? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's still bad really he, tough. Got, he already has an ACL injury, you know? Like, for him to get ACL injury that, that early, I mean, that, that, that's, what, that's what pisses me off. As a football fan, aside from me being a Browns fan, just as a football fan and a fan of quarterbacks, because I play quarterback, like, if you're, if, you're a quarter, if you're a franchise quarterback that was drafted num- number one overall, you're trying to turn this organization around into a contender, and they do, they do everything. They bring in a good defense. They bring in weapons for you on offense. You have a, a good running back, a good tight end, three good receivers. You have everything looks good on paper. Only thing you forgot is your line. So any, any quarterback listening to this podcast right now knows if you get to snap and you're running for your life, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, you're going to have a hard, it's going to be a long day. And so, you know, regardless of how great Joe Burrow is, it's just, it's a crappy situation to put him in. And so it blows my mind that they even did that. You know what I mean? How do you, how do you let him, he goes through an ACL injury and you don't address the offensive line in the offseason? Like, that's illogical to me. So they, they don't care because they made the playoffs and they won the North and they're in the AFC Coach, championship. Coach, but, if you're the front office right now, I mean, yeah. you're you're evaluating that line. I hope, right? Because these guys are just not I cutting mean, it. You know yeah, what I mean? If you're not, there's something wrong with your head. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It's like to your point right now. You've got a, a really good yeah. quarterback, good up, good uh, you know, good receivers, good balance, uh, running game, and somehow you're not going to put money into you know some beef. Protecting, so protecting, beef. yeah, yeah, <laughs> protecting your franchise yeah. quarterback. Like, come on, man, the heck, yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think Kansas City will, uh, you know, win out this weekend because I, I really think they have the better squad on both sides. Of, uh, on both sides, uh, will the Bengals yeah. surprise us? That could happen, right? We've seen Kansas City falter and, and not play a good game. So it's on any given it's Sunday, as, as they always say, yeah. any given Sunday. But highly unlikely that that's going to happen. Um, the yeah. Rams, literally on the hot seat. L.A. It's a must-win for them. That's it. It, it's just no other question around it. The Niners coming in here, they go home, they don't win it. Oh well, you know it was just a, a yeah. great run. They're going to recover, right? They had injuries. Yeah. They, they got everything that they can go back to and say, "This is why we didn't get past this," right? But the yeah. Rams, fit. The Rams were built for this. They've leveraged for this. Yeah. It's literally mm-hmm. they got to win it. They, they just, you know, they it's at their house. It is uh, one step to the Super Bowl. It's how bad do they want it and. How bad does Sean McVay wants to want to win it? It's literally the the bottom line for them. Yeah, yeah. I, as a betting man, because I do bet on football, last this weekend that just ended that was always close games. I didn't bet on anything because I felt like they were all going to be close games, no true favorites, and I didn't want to waste my money. But this upcoming weekend, the only game I'm going to bet on is the Chiefs over the Bengals because I don't know who's going to win the 49ers versus Rams because of their history and 
Niners usually have their number, but this is the one that counts. All that stuff it makes for a great storyline, and I have no idea how it's going to play out. I, I wouldn't be surprised by anything, really. <laughs> Either team winning, it being a blowout or close, um, I have no idea how it's, how it's going to go. But um, I do feel pretty strongly that the Chiefs will take care of business. Yeah. 99 all day, that's all I'm asking for, McVay. 99 all day. That's all I need. Yeah. Need, and I need number 10 and number 9 to just completely connect just like the numbers do, 9 and 10, right next to each other. Get it done because I know the Niners, are gonna bring, the Niners are going to bring the house. They know yeah. they are able to do it. The, uh, uh, Kyle's not – Kyle's a very st- a strategic guy, right? And to your mm-hmm. point, you know, if, if, if they can't stop Debo on, uh, offensively and they can't stop Debo running game, he's just going to shove it down their throats until they can stop it. So – it's a big hurdle yeah. for the defense, I think, more so than the offense, because uh, it's literally Jimmy G giving the game away for the Niners. That's literally the Niners' mm-hmm. worry right now. Because I think special yeah. teams is there, the Niners, they can make a play, but will Jimmy G give the game away uh, based on the Rams' pressure? That's the storyline that's going to have to happen out of there. Yeah, and that's kind of the silver lining for Rams fans, is you know for sure that not only is Matthew Stafford better than Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford is better than Jimmy Garoppolo when it matters. You know, when it's when there's a, there's a drive to win the game. You know, when it's in overtime, et cetera, et cetera. So that's got to feel good as a Rams fan. But you know, you still got to get there, and so you got to play four quarters, play all three facets, and um, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But it's a great storyline for sure. I think the 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 ratings, coach, have been. Tremendous yeah. for this weekend, right? Uh, you add another week well, to the schedule. <laughs> Everybody anticipated, yeah. you know, every, I, I coming in here this weekend, I will tell you yeah. honestly, I thought for sure there was going to be like two or three blowouts because I thought for sure, okay, you know, you always get that, you always get the um, the week by, and the, the teams that are on buys usually don't come out very aggressive. And so there's always opportunity yeah. for a blowout to come in. So, but it was really entertaining. It was a kicker's world this weekend, technically all yeah. weekend for the three games. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was just it was just great to the end, right? I mean, it was just it's exactly what you wanted. You got to make the last play. You got to get in the red zone in gear. I mean, it was really close back and forth. Kickers, it was literally a kicker's world this weekend. So, if you're a special teams yeah. guy, right? Special teams coach, uh, there was a big difference there this weekend. It, all the games were decided on basically the kickers, except for uh, Kansas City in overtime. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was an NFL football fan's dream for, for me. All see, all weekend, there was four games. They were all close. They were all fun to watch. They were all suspenseful. And so, like I said, I felt spoiled. Um, so we'll see if this, this weekend can, can match that intensity. Um, I think the Bengals will have a hard time keeping up with the Chiefs, but that um, Niners-Rams game is going to be – Really interesting to watch, and so I'm just looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Okay, everybody, uh, don't forget, you can go to Monkey Knife Fight this, this weekend. Uh, will Joe Burrow throw more than X amount of passes or yards? You can bet more or less on it, put in some, a $5 free play. You get matched up to 100% there, up to $100. Go check it out. Will Matthew Stafford throw for so many yards, right, et cetera, more or less? Use the code NGF, get yourself a $5 free play, and, and play this weekend on the NFL, monkeyknife5.com. That's where you want to go. Monkey Knife Fight's our podcast sponsor. So get your $5 free play, up to a $100 match. 
and go to Monkey Night Fight. Terry, thanks uh, a lot for coming in, breaking it down, Kansas City versus Cincinnati, Los Angeles versus San Francisco. Uh, I know I'm going to be glued, right, for that game. Yep. And uh, no horns up, like I told Holly. (laughs) This is what we wanted. We talked about it last week. Wouldn't it be cool to have mm-hmm. the Niners and Rams in the finals? And here we go. We we are we got what we wanted. Now it's yeah. at the edge of our seats on the this weekend as to who's going to advance to the Super Bowl. Yep. Let's put up a shut up time, Oscar. I'm not. I hope I, we're not the ones that are going to be <laughs> going home. <laughs> <laughs> I got I'm with you, bro. Oh my God! All right, Terry. Thank you very much for coming in. Enjoy your evening. Okay. All right, man. Talk to you Bye. soon. All right. So, guys, uh, that was Terry Lister, uh, TL Talks uh, podcast. If you don't, uh, you know, listen to him, go ahead and listen to him. You can uh, look it up, TL Talks podcast on YouTube. Also, uh, you can also look it up on Apple Podcasts. So, uh, really entertaining. Awesome guests he's got on. So, uh, he's also a coach in the WNFC. So, uh, thanks for him to coming in to break it down and the divisional round and giving us a, his insights as to what he's going to think uh, of the upcoming weekend here. So it's going to be Kansas City, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow against uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jimmy G versus um, uh, Matthew Stafford. You got a really good storylines there. Can the Rams finally get over the hump, beat the Niners to advance to the Super Bowl? And will the Cincinnati Bengals surprise the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City to move on to the Super Bowl? Will we have a Kansas City-Los Angeles Super Bowl or are we going to have a, a a rematch Super Bowl of like 1984, which is Cincinnati versus San Francisco? So it's the two scenarios that we're going to have, whether it's going to be the Bengals advancing or the Niners. So two of the teams there, or it's going to be Mahomes against uh, Stafford, and it'll be Stafford's first trip to the Super Bowl. So what a storyline for him too, uh, classic storyline. All right, uh, let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football, and, and that would be the backseat coach, a.k.a. Mark Simone, in the house. Uh, Mark, how's it going? It's going great, Oscar. Um, uh, I, I can't think of a, a time that when I was more entertained um, by the NFL. The games this weekend were just dynamite. Uh, you know, close games all. I mean, just like – uh, this was uh, just what this, you want to see. This Mark was uh, Minnesota Vixen uh, against uh, Boston Renegade football. You know, close down to the wire, a lot of playmaking, and then the the field goals. It was really awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a kicker's weekend, wasn't it? Um, it was. And you want to see you want to see close games like that. I, I just I, I can't even remember any any uh, playoff weekend where I was just glued to the TV the way it was. They were all nail biters. It was, it was incredible. What a great weekend it was. Yeah, it was awesome. And then the last one there, kind of a bummer, as uh, Terry said, you know, somebody's got to lose, but you know, like I told them, you know, we already, we, we know the rules You're coming in and overtime, you flip the coin. Uh, it's on the defense. The defense can't stop the other, the other player. And that's what happens, right? It's a quick loss and you go home. Yeah. So that's, yeah, what, that's why you get paid before, the big money. You know, that's rough, you know, but what can you do? Um, you know, you can't really take anything away from uh, particularly the way uh, the two quarterbacks played. Um, it was it was incredible. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't believe Buffalo lost. 
you know, with 13 seconds left on the clock. I mean, I thought it was done, right? So, but that's why they play the games. And um, um, hopefully when we get into the women's season, we'll see some more of that type of competition, especially when it gets down to the wire in the playoffs. Uh, it seems a long way, but uh, it's really just around the corner. You know, the Super Bowl is not very far away now. we got championship weekend in NFL and a few more weeks for the Super Bowl. Next thing you know, uh, the women will be taking the field here in the States, and um, we'll have um, another football season right in front of us. It's going to be a girls' summer in the U.S. You know how that goes. It's going to be hard fought for eight weeks, almost ten weeks. Um, and then we got the the IFAB World Championships after that. So uh, women's football f- uh, front and center in 2022. And you can get it all at the hub, Bob, as Mark would say. <laughs> Go to the hub. You get everything there. Okay, the best network on the planet exists at the hub at facebook.com forward slash So you get the lowdown right there before you come on here every Tuesday to listen to all of us here. All right, Mark, let's get down to, before we get, before we dive into this, uh, Women's Football Alliance Division Two schedule, which is we're going to break down today, just like we did uh, the Division One schedule last week. So if you missed it, go back to 408, broke down Division One. If you missed that, go to 407. We broke down the WNFC schedule. So right in, right today, we're going to do w, uh, WFA D2 competitive schedule. And we're breaking it. We're breaking it down as what we'll, we're going to expect for the upcoming season. Uh, so before we do that, let's go international because there is women's American football being played international, even though in North America we're somewhat not playing fully with the two major leagues. We do have one uh, season in Texas, which is the Texas Valley Sports uh, Women's League. And if you go to the hub, you pretty much figured it out. Week three action, uh, the Coastal Bend Legion, 19-18 to against Brownsville Sting. So really a hard-fought game from what I hear, Mark. This was uh, very competitive to the end. Uh, they get edged, uh, Legion edges the sting. So shout out to Brownsville for uh, trying to knock down this uh, Legion team. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see. I mean, it's early in the season there. As you said, third game of the season. It's great to see, you know, a really close hard fought game, um, one-point difference. Um, uh, it's, it's awesome to see sort of regional football being played this time of year, just a little you know, fill in the gap. And so we'll keep looking, we'll keep watching, and uh, we'll keep reporting. So Texas Valley Sports, you guys can go on Facebook and check it out. The other game was uh, Kingsville Empire, a really solid team in 2021, also pretty solid now in 2022. So uh, Empire edges uh, River City Warriors 18-6, to pretty competitive match as well. Um, and after a rocky start, in week one and week two, as the Empire gets a big win here. Uh, Going to be the two top teams here, Mark. More than likely will be Coastal Bend Legion and Kingsville at the end, uh, but we still have a lot, of, a lot of football to be played. So next weekend we have Como uh, taking on uh, Corpus Christi. we got Le- Bend Legion taking on Kingsville, and that's going to be the game I'm going to be watching and keep an eye closed. So Coastal Bend Legion versus Kingsville Empire, uh, last year's champs versus uh, the Legion up runners up, so kind of a little rematch rivalry game here in Texas. Yeah, it'll be a great way to do it. Um, sounds awesome. All right, um, we go to um, 
I want to go to Green uh, Great Iron West right now because we got a couple weeks left in the season here. This weekend is a return. Uh, it was week, I believe, uh, week 12. And, Mark, the Titans, we talked about them last week, how they needed to get this win. Hopefully the Valkyries would not upset that. But uh, 24-0, pretty good statement win for the Titans women. And so now they are, uh, you know, they got to run the table, basically. So they're able to get this solid win here going into the next weekend. It's going to be a little tougher, but there you go. They get the win, 24-0, pretty good statement game, solid offensive performance, and a good defensive shutout. Yeah, um, they, they took care of business. They, they, they did what they knew they needed to do, and uh, they did it in style. As you said, uh, you know, they put up 24 points. That's pretty good, and they got a shutout. Uh, that's awesome going into their next game against uh, the Claremont Jets. Um, again, you know, they need to take care of business. They know that they can take care of this game um, to further increase their chances of getting into the Final Four for the playoffs. So uh, it's good to see them on track, and um, hopefully they can keep going. So shout-out to Swan City for getting it done in Week 12. Uh, the other games, uh, Wolverines taking on Jets, and you said, uh, Mark, this should be a, a, an easy win, but unfortunately uh, Wolverines did have some difficulty. 22-8, to eight, uh, uh, Jets did were able to put up a score and a two-point conversion there on the uh, Wolverines. So there, there's a, a win for them. Stay in the, in the top three for the Grand West team. Uh, confident that they're obviously going to be in that round play. So not another victory for them. But that was literally expected, right? Uh, Wolverines taking down the Jets. Jets uh, have had some uh, numbers issues and, thing, and other factors. So, but, uh, you know, they put up a score. So shout out to the Jets for being competitive at least with the score. Yeah, uh, it's good to see. You, you know, it, it's interesting coming out of a, you know, a holiday break and then, you know, whatever complications there might be um, with uh, COVID surge in some areas, and I think that might be true of uh, Australia as well. Um, you never know exactly what the teams are going to look like coming out of that. And so, you know, I would have expected, my expectation was that the Wolverines certainly would win this game but that they would probably win it pretty handily. And this, the score of this game, 22-8, to 8, is, is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And I, I think uh, the point that I make, well, um, definitely um, raises that kind of question in the next game that we're going to talk about. And we went into the third game of the, of the slate here, the champs uh, route the Broncos. Surprising to me, Mark. We all we we thought it was going to be a more competitive game by the uh, Broncos, and it, it was not. Uh, the Vipers came to play, took care of business. Uh, they get the route, 38 to zero. They get the shutout. Uh, so they put themselves in a position where now uh, the Broncos were in first place, chasing the Broncos for that top spot, and get back to uh, being the, you know, the, the number one team in Gridiron West. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all season long, um, last year's runner-up, the Perth Broncos, have um, appeared to be very, very dominant and, um, you know, blown people out left and right. Um, they were undefeated until this week. And, again, I, I go back to that, you know, asking about, you know, what the delay in, in play 
um, how, what kind of impact that's had over the holidays. Um, has um, COVID surge had any impact on uh, things like practicing and, and player availability and stuff like that? But uh, when you get down to the end of it, the Vipers took the win in a very convincing fashion, 38-0 to zero over the team that was in first place. So uh, now it makes it very interesting down the stretch. Uh, you, point, you, know, you pointed it out. This was the big game of, of the week, the number one and the number two team. Um, and, and now we're heading into the stretch, and they have the same record now. They're both nine and one. Um, their, you know, point differential is, you know, definitely going to be coming into play uh, when we get into seeding, if they, certainly if they end up with the same record. But uh, as, as you mentioned before, things are getting very tight, very, very much more intense um, here in Gridiron West. Next week's going to be interesting. Uh, Wolverines will take on the uh, Hills Valkyries. So Hills has got a it's competitive game there for them. Uh, the Jets will take on Swan City. As we mentioned here, Swan City really uh, needs to just run the table to get into the dance here and be competitive that way. And then uh, the Saints coming off the bye mark. Interesting here because the Broncos get this loss. Opportunity for Curtin Saints to move up in the standings if they can somehow take down the Broncos. And that would be two, week, two back-to-back losses for the Broncos, which is unheard of so far. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Curtin Saints are feeling like, you know, opportunity is knocking. Maybe they've got um, uh, a better chance than earlier in the season to get a victory over the Broncos. We'll have to see how it goes. So those are the games for this weekend. So we'll keep it tabs on it. Um, we'll be following that. You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash beauties and that you'll get the updates there as well. Uh, Mark, uh, week one in the Spanish League, the LNFA Femenina, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, no surprises. Most of the, the top teams, the Demons, uh, you know, won, won out on their victory. So uh, week one, pretty, pretty impressive in terms of the Spanish uh, opening weekend. Yeah, I'm not particularly um, familiar with, with the league. They're, so they're new to me, um, who the favorites are and, uh, who the new teams are? I don't really. Um, I'm not. I haven't really dug in um, particularly far because we've only played one week. But uh, just by looking at the scores, um, it, it looks like the uh, Black Demons are a pretty dominant team, putting up 67 points in a game and shutting out the other team. Uh, it costs a lot of trucks, so that uh, that's definitely eye popping. But we also see, you know, some uh, competitive games in in the league two, um, across, across, uh, week one. So I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to, um, the following, um, uh, the Spanish league and, and, um, just getting a sense of, of, uh, how the play is, but, uh, you know, I'm impressed so far. So week one, you get the recap right there from FEFA.es. Get the recap right there as the Buffaloes, Rookies, and Osos, and well as well as the Black Demons start with the victory in the National League in Week 1. Get the full recap right there, uh, right what the link is, and get the rundown right there. So check it out. Go to the hub at facebook.com for us for them beauties. All right, Mark, uh, the Italian League, 12-8, uh, to eight, 
the Wren, uh, the underdogs, as you had said before, that was pretty much competitive game. So this is going to be the final pretty much on January 30th for the Rose Bowl once again. Um, I think at this point it is redemption for Bologna. Can they get it done? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 echoing what happened over in Gridiron West, the, uh, the underdogs, uh, you know, took, took the final match of the regular season against the top-ranked Sirens, a team that they had lost to before. So they split the season um, with the Sirens. Uh, Bologna and Milan are now both 3-1 and, and heading into the championship. It's, uh, it, it seems to be anybody. It's a toss-up now, right? It's, it is a toss-up now. It's just a matter of who's going to want it more in the final. So we'll see uh, if Bologna can muster it out. They get, they get edged by four points there in the last week of the season. So uh, it's going to be a competitive match. We'll have it coverage from Italy, uh, courtesy of FIDA, FIDA Day. And so uh, we'll look it up and we'll get it up posted at the hub. So looking forward to the Rose Bowl final 2021 between Seren Milano and the Bologna underdogs. So it's going to be pretty awesome. All right. If you guys haven't checked out our stuff at the hub, I don't know what you're doing, Bubs. Uh, Vanguard Muse, open field movie, Sammy Grisafi is going to be featured in another festival right there. We have also the interview uh, done with Santia Deck, talking about her Tronus shoe success, plus the anticipation of her in the WNFC with the Atlanta Phoenix. Uh, the WFA introduces Behind the Helmet Women's Sports Network. Uh, we're kind of excited to see what that's going to be in terms of the WFA programming. We also have the return of Road to Canton with uh, Mr. Announcer Guy, and that's Brian Sweeney, along with Emery Hunt and Alex Westad. That will be coming up in this season. And also there's a lot of things in brewing in terms of what the content will be for, for the fans, including the Road to Canton uh, show that was pop- pretty popular last year. Also, we have the NFL recaps of all the weekend's games from all the major outlets, USA Today, ESPN, Yahoo Sports, so you can check it out there. If you're uh, inclined uh, to listen to the Gridiron uh, Australia scene, you can go check out uh, Stacey Spears, Christy Moran, and company. Uh, you can check out the Women in Gridiron show uh, via Mojo Sports Season 2, Episode 2, as the huddle uh, was with Mara Weinbrecht and Sally Wurr of the Curtain Saints, which the Saints will be taking on the uh, Perth Broncos this weekend. So we'll uh, be, be excited to see that. So check it out, uh, The Women in Gridiron Show Season 2, Episode 2, out now. And you can also catch Cleat Sheets podcast, the latest podcast, obviously, uh, interviewing Mr. Announcer Guy, Brian Sweeney, uh, on the upcoming WFA and his success in terms of an announcer and also the WFA uh, National Championship and how he's loving doing those games as well. So a lot of stuff at the hub, Mark. Uh, that's where it's the place to be. Get to the bu- hub, bub. I screwed it up. Get to the hub, bub. Get to the hub, bub. That's what we're going to – we'll probably have to send you a shirt. I'm going to have to make that shirt happen so you can just put it out there. <laughs> um, but it's pretty cool. And then, uh, so, Mark, I felt bad for Coach Lori Locus, but, you know, my Rams took care of business. So, sorry, Coach Locus. I'm sorry about that. But uh, at the same time, somebody had to lose, and we're winning, so we're moving on. But uh, what an effort by them 
to almost nail it down, right? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, ju- I just think of uh, how long it's been, uh, you know, since the Rams have kind of been uh, this deep in the playoffs. So, uh, congratulations to you. I know you're feeling very, very good about it, um, and you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, we're coming, we're coming for it, but uh, can we beat the Niners is really the obstacle. So we'll see what happens here. Um, we want to also send our condolences and prayers to uh, the Baffa community on the passing of Angeli Dela Cruz. Um, she was obviously it's a sad loss for their sport. Unexpected passing of Angeli Dela Cruz. So our condolences, uh, basically, to the ICNE Spears, including the Baffa community there. So on her loss and her passing. All right, um, Mark, uh, what do you say of Lois Cook and your girl out there, Adrian Smith, part of Team Milk? Pretty awesome. Uh, I can't wait for the ads to come out uh, as they start out the season here, but uh, pretty cool. Uh, Lois doing her rage mode with the helmet, and uh, obviously Adrian looking way cool, just a pose cool. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, it seems like a very um, uh, exciting campaign. Uh, the, the images are very uh, eye-catching. Um, uh, there are great athletes there, uh, great ambassadors for our sport. So I think very great choices, certainly on uh, the women's side of Team Milk. There's also a men's side, just in case you didn't know. Um, and there are some NFL players uh, who uh, I'm sure you'll recognize. But, um, yes, definitely feel very excited for this campaign. We'll definitely be seeing more of this. Uh, I know you'll, you'll be seeing, um, you know, more posts from um, the, uh, the uh, milk producers and from certainly the Renegades and the Divas, uh, from the WFA, um, it's, a, you know, just to think about what kind of a reach the, the Got Milk campaign has um, and how they reach sort of younger audiences and um, really target um, ap- athletic people um, through the Team Milk um, initiative. Uh, it's very interesting. So uh, I think it's really good. Uh, it's, a lot of people are going to learn more um, that women's football is, you know, more prevalent than they probably realize. Shout out to the WFA and uh, shout out to Lois Cook, uh, you TikTok influencer, IG also influencer, and uh, hashtag Team Milk and DC Diva standout, as well as the legendary Adrian Smith, multi-time champion, gold medalist, uh, and uh, Gridiron Queen the founder, as well as Champ. Champ Blitz, game founder. So uh, hashtag gonna need milk, hashtag team milk, hashtag football is football, and hashtag WFA strong. So shout out to both of them for uh, what a what a cool thing that's going to happen, especially at the Super Bowl too. So it's going to be awesome. Indeed, indeed. All right, so you guys can check out the uh, interviews there as well. And shout out to Juju of Pittsburgh. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers for supporting the girls through fly, touch, and tackle. So it's pretty cool. And you also get Joe, uh, I believe it's Joe um, Overstreet and uh, John Axio as well on the uh, flag side. 
uh, with uh, Adrian Smith and Lois Cook as well. All right. Um, the other one we had to mention is um, shout-out to Coach Kiki Blackman. Be, uh, she was honored. So shout-out to the WFC and Casey, uh, Kansas City Glory head, head coach Kiki Blackman. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, I saw that. It was definitely a cool honor. Congratulations, Coach Blackman. Yeah, she's awesome, and she's uh, she's turning she's going to turn that glory around. I can tell you right now. And if you don't know it yet, uh, in Sweden, Mark, we're getting ready, right? Lipping our chalks, Division One, and we're going to get obviously the Super Series also coming up here. So you got uh, Division One and the Super Series. So there's the preview there, and you guys can get the link right there from uh, SWE3 Americans Football. So we're looking forward to the um, Sweden season coming up here as well. Uh, if you haven't registered, if you're in Utah, go register now for the March play, third graders to 12th graders, and that would be at the Utah Girls Football League, uh, utahgirlsfootballleague.com forward slash registration. So check it out. And that's an awesome league. Mark, you know that, Pioneers for Women's uh, Youth Tackle for the Manitoba in Canada. Absolutely. You know, they were they were the first to come out with um, – you know, a, a program that was just so popular. I mean, it's so popular that, um, you know, they started out with four teams. I mean, they had hundreds of girls coming out of the gate, and they they just set the template, right? They showed that it could be done, and now it's being replicated in other areas. So um, just legendary work uh, done out there in Utah. Yeah, so check, check it out. Uh, go to register if you're in Utah. Check it out. I'll get the details right there, uh, or you can go directly to Utah Girls Football League on Facebook and check it out right there. All right. So uh, I think that's pretty much it here. Um, what did I have on there? Oh, uh, Vanguard Muse, uh, we said uh, at the festivals, two festivals at Three Rivers Film. There was an article there uh, that was – that's where the film was featured. And then the, the film is going to be featured also, I believe, in Montana, if I'm correct, uh, at another festival as well in Montana. So – and then um, – also, if you missed it, uh, Jennifer King was going to be over at the, I believe it is what, the she was going to be running back uh, position coach that was going to be at the East-West Shrine Bowl. It's going to be on February 3rd. And then if you haven't checked out um, Earn It, uh, NFL's forward progress that premiered on Peacock the 23rd, go check it out. Um, you can replay it there as well. And that's going to be following stories of the incredible women who may all make the NFL season happen. So check it out right there. Uh, earn it as well. And uh, let's not forget, before we get into the WFA D2 here, uh, Women's Pro Bowl, and it's going to be Carolina Phoenix taking on the Crusaders, current Crusaders, Saturday, February 5th in North Las Vegas. So looking forward to that event as well. And then also all the coverage of the NFL weekend right there by Major Press. So check it out right there. All right, Mark. Let's dive into this D2 schedule, just like we did with the Division One at this point. Uh, so if you're inclined, anything that we missed, check it out. Go to the hub, Bob. That's all I got to say. Go to the hub. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of women's tackle football news uh, this week, you know, and, and it, it's the off season for you know here in America. But man, making headlines right all over the place, left and right, TV, uh, you know. You got to get to the the hub, Bob, because you know that's the best way to stay on top of everything. 
And I want to give a shout-out to our network, Mark, because without them, we would not be where we're at, and without them, we would not have an awesome page that we do, and without them, we would not be reaching and engaging as much as we are. So shout-out to everybody globally that supports me, that has collaborated with me, that networks with me, to the links, the photos, the, and everything else. So shout-out to them because that, that they're, the, they're the make it happen. They're the, also as passionate people that want to promote the sport, so it makes it happen. Absolutely. All right. Let's do it, Oscar. Let's knock it down here. All right. Um, let's start with the chaos, which is, I believe, the former comment, to your point before, chaos here. Um, if you're them, uh, welcome to the big show because you're getting uh, the St. Louis Slam week one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that you're, you're, you're starting with a bang. Um, and it's pretty indicative of what their entire schedule is. Uh, in D2, from what I, from appearances, they have the toughest schedule of anybody in D2. They face they face uh, three division uh, pro division teams and three um, division two teams. Um, and compared to everybody else, this seems like the toughest schedule in division two. Yeah, you got Matt coming in here as well. The salty one just arrived in the house. Uh, uh, Mackenzie, uh, if you're the chaos, uh, you're getting the slam week one. And then you get Derby. Then you're going to get Detroit. Then you're going to get Pittsburgh. You get Derby again. You get Baltimore. So uh, if you're Columbus, get ready to get spanked or get ready to be woken up quickly. Because the schedule is pretty tough. I mean, damn. Like, damn. <laughs> Woo! Uh, Ooh, that's a rough one. I'm not even going to hold you. Let me just that's say, you're not one. running the table. That's a right? rough one. <laughs> Yikes. Or you have to run the well, table. I mean, you know, I, you know, I mean, the, the old saying is if you can't beat them, join them, or at least try to keep up hell. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, good luck uh, to We're you. not laughing at you, Columbus. Like, saying, We're just saying you yeah, got a no, tough battle just, coming up. It's just a tough schedule your first you know, coming out first season, like, damn. <laughs> Shit. Mac, right, you know St. Louis always comes back angry. Every time they're in the offseason, yeah. they always come back angry. And, and they're hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's it, girl. It's going to be. Mm. Well, I'm here for it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's really not much else I can say other than good luck to you. That's yeah, bad. that's what that's I was saying. It. Mark? Mark, you know that, that priest that gives you that up-and-down mode? That's what I'm doing at Columbus right now. You, bless you. <laughs> Hopefully you <laughs> – tough schedule. You get the D3 champions twice. You get the a runner-up Detroit. Okay, you get Pittsburgh on a return. We have no idea what it's going to be about. You, Baltimore, always tough. And then you get St. Louis week one. So uh, what a schedule there. So there you are, Columbus. Uh, we wish you well. That's all i got to say for you. Yeah. Come, come, well, come the know, fight. I, I know, I know, I know why the schedule is so tough. All right, I'll tell you. Um, the the new head the new head coach of the new Columbus Chaos is none other than um, um, Coach uh, Keith Thomas, who um, mm-hmm. ah. um, led led the Detroit Dark Angels. All right, to, to two Division Two championships. He's not afraid of competition. Obviously, we right? know that. So we I'm know that sure he, the schedule reflects that. <laughs> In fact, he welcomes. I'm pretty he sure he asked it. for this. He, kind welcome, of he welcomes the hard. 
Yeah, Coach Thomas, and I love that about uh, him. We're not laughing at the fact that you've got a competitive schedule. We're just, we're like, wow, this is what you wanted? Okay. We're shocked, but we're not shocked. He can prove us wrong. Max, right? He can prove us wrong. I I also think of it. Think of it this way, okay? With the strength of schedule, I I, I mean, with the strength of schedule, even if they walk out with one or two wins or three wins, they're still going to be in a high, like, playoff position, right, with the Massey. Sure. So, of course. I mean, for strength of schedule, I mean, this is is got it, all right? Now you just got to try and keep up with some of these teams. We start with Columbus. Like I said, with Columbus, this is this is impressive. I'm not saying it's it's bad. I'm saying it's impressive. All we're saying is it's competitive week. week. Every week is going to be competitive, but we also don't know what the roster is going to look like in Detroit with the Venoms. We have no idea what the Pittsburgh roster. You know what I'm saying? So everything we're saying right here is just based on paper. We have no idea what the roster is yep. going to look like, right? Yep. So at that point, I, I, you know, we're just we're just putting our two cents that way. I kind of feel like that uh, their second matchup uh, against the Derby City Dynamite. We're going to know a lot about the Columbus Chaos. If they can keep up there with the Derby City Dynamite, then we know that they're going to be in the playoff picture uh, at the end of the year. All right. Uh, Mac, uh, we have no idea what Tri-State Warriors look like, so I'm not even going to go into, you know, what they are, what they are, and waste, waste my time there. But they, they, they pretty much have – Pretty competitive schedule: Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, New York. So that's that's okay. I'm, like I said, I have no idea what they look like. Right, Nebraska, I have no idea what they look like at this point. So we're gonna have to wait and see well, with here, them. I'm gonna tell you. I can tell you exactly what Iowa looks like, and I can tell you exactly what the Nebraska oh, looks like. Mainly because Iowa I played was for really good last year. Exactly, Iowa is looking to come back with a vengeance. Like, let's, let's be real. Iowa went pretty far last year in D2. They yep. really did. They, 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 you know, they lost their divisional round. But they, they, they had a pretty good season. I'm not, I can't even lie. I, I played for them their inaugural season. And even when, we play, even when I played with them, we were still, you know, we were still pretty damn good. I mean, just over the years, they've gotten better. Um, I tell you this, though, and I'm not throwing shade. I'm not doing any of that. Yes, I live in Iowa, and yes, I commute to play football for the Nebraska Valkyries. But this is going to, the Nebraska Iowa series is going to be a new rivalry in the league, and I and, and people need to realize that. Like, you know, there's there's all kinds of rivalries across the league, but the new one coming to town is going to be the the Iowa Phoenix versus the Nebraska Valkyries. I'm gonna tell you this. It, it's that's awesome. that's you what we're cannot, looking forward to. It's like it's a good schedule. You get my week one right off the blocks. We know what they're competitive. Usually year in year out. You get Iowa from a very impressive last year, especially going up against Minnesota more than once. So they're toughened up. You get OKC, right? The Lady Force, pretty pretty awesome program last year too. Tulsa, we have no idea what they're going to look like this year. Uh, so it, it, it's, a, it's an impressive schedule for Nebraska. Uh, you know, they could easily go 0 and 3 right now, right? Based on the schedule, what? or they can easily go 3 and 0. Time out. Wait a minute. No, Wait a I'm minute. Just saying. I can't even believe you just based no, on no, the no, schedule. No, 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 stop. No, no, we don't go off based on schedule. I play for this team. I know what we're about. Don't do that, Oscar, because now I'm going to throw shade in your face. Show me week one um, when you take down the blade. It's going to be it's okay, gonna, we'll go it's gonna, no, we're going to go two and one. We're going to go two and one. Okay. We're probably going to lose to, to Denver. That, that, that I, can, I can honestly say because some of us haven't touched the ball or been hit for quite a while. But don't be surprised if we come out and shock you. That's all I'm going to say. Don't, don't, don't do that. No, no, we're not don't surprised. Do I'm just, we're just breaking it down. 
We're breaking it down based on paper, Mac. That's all I'm doing. We have no idea what your roster looks like. We have no idea what any of these rosters. I know look what like my right roster now. looks like. Is what I'm telling you. Okay. And you know, before, all right. well, before we really get into it, the bigger thing. What's going on here? Maybe we well, shouldn't yeah. have gone into Nebraska. Hell yeah, because you you might have time to cover my team. I don't got time. I'm gonna just tell you this: if you remember the very first year of the Nebraska Nighthawks, take that first year team and put it for the Valkyries, except better. That should tell you. Something. Okay. Well, we believe you because we support you. As you should. So we believe you. Because that's my team. Yes, we believe you. As long as you guys don't become the Dallas Cowboys, we're fine. You run the table, take care of Minnesota oh, at the oh, end. Okay. And push yourself okay. right there. Oh, you okay? cute. Oh, you cute. Okay. <laughs> all right, Oscar. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm, let's move on. Uh, where do we go? Let's go to Derby, uh, Mac. Derby, uh, Cap City week one. Then they get Columbus. They get St. Louis. They get Detroit. They get Columbus. And they get St. Louis. So, same with the chaos. Uh, obviously, Thelma and company, they want competitive competition, and that's what their schedule reflects. Oh, my girl, Thelma. Woo-hoo! I love her to pieces. Oh, she's ah. – that Derby City team, though, is something else. They're, them girls are on fire, and they have been since, you know, since they've been able to restructure everything since, you know, at least, even a little bit before COVID. So, and to be honest, I – I think the St. Louis Slam is going to give anybody trouble they play. I don't care what division. I don't care what league. With that being said, what people have to start realizing is that just because you have a powerful schedule and you have, you know, you may have a couple powerhouse teams doesn't mean that team is automatically, you know, automatically bid to beat them. Just because they look like it on paper does not, that, that's not how this works. Like you got to strap up and play the game and play four quarters before a, a winner is decided. So yeah, I agree for with Derby that. City, I feel like I feel like it's gonna. I feel like this year's schedule for them is going to just build off of the success that they've been able to have. Um, you know, St. Louis has been out for a year or two now because of you know because of the pandemic. Do are we gonna can we use that as an excuse? Not really, because them girls are always working, always in the books, always in the, you know chalk talk, working out. Like I, I got a bunch of friends on that team. Uh, you know, I, I, everybody has you know any everybody who's anybody in the world of women's football has them on social media and knows. They they always bring it, so you can't you literally and, and, and to be honest, as far as the schedule, you can't count anybody out. New teams, old teams, championship teams, legacy teams, you can't count anybody out. Well, we're not counting anybody out. We're just kind of giving a review of like what the what what it looks like from twenty twenty one to what twenty two will look like. Derby has an opportunity to be the Nevada this year, right? They take care of D three championship. Could be the, the the team that surprises like Nevada did in D2. So an opportunity right there for Derby to really stand out in D2. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, Absolutely. Oscar. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, they could be the Nevada of this year. I mean, they could literally just take care of business and surprise us and, and arrive in Canton once again. Um, Mark, let's go to uh, Houston Energy. Uh, they go into the Texas swing. They're, they take on the uh, Mustangs, which we don't know you know, what they're going to be about. Arlington, we know what they're about. Uh, the much-improved Austin Outlaws as well. Uh, take care of Mahai. Uh, Zydeco played pretty well last year in D3 as well. Uh, and then they get Dallas again. So for if you're the energy right now, it's a pretty winnable schedule here, and you could run the table based on their success from last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, You know, it, it's definitely – I'm trying to figure out if it's um, – it might be a little bit harder scheduled than what they had last year. It's, it's about the same. 
but I think when I think about Houston, um, what I think about actually is um, how close they were to defeating Nevada in the playoffs, all right? People are raving mm-hmm. about Nevada, and they should, right? Great team. What they accomplished was mm-hmm. awesome. They bumped up to the, uh, the pro division. But you got to remember, the Houston Energy were right there with him, with them in, in the playoffs. So this is a powerful team. I would have liked to see them have uh, two tilts with Arlington because um, they played a close game. That was the only game they lost during the regular season. It was by one point. I would like to see mm-hmm. the Arlington impact on their schedule twice instead of just once. But um, other than that, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty good schedule uh, for a team uh, that's historic, is on the verge of uh, jumping up into uh, the pro division, um, yeah, the only drawback is I would have liked to see, you know, them have two games with Arlington rather than, say, Dallas, or perhaps just un- maybe another game sort of out- outside of Texas, outside of the uh, the Gulf Coast area. Maybe, you know, uh, go up to St. Louis or, you know, take a plane mm-hmm. ride somewhere. Even, go, you know, maybe fly to Tampa Bay. Like, that would be cool. That would be cool, right? Fly to Tampa Bay from Houston. Probably wouldn't be a very long flight, um, and that would be a good matchup for both of those teams. Mac, historically, the energy has been top-notch. They've always been in the playoffs. They were able to get to the playoffs. They got a pretty good program there. Um, last year, to Mark's point, they almost edged Nevada in that playoff game. Uh, you know, one or two plays here would have been the difference. So uh, if you're, if you're uh, Houston, uh, you look at that schedule, it's, it's winnable, and you'll be able to probably get back to the playoffs again, D2. Absolutely. You know, it's it's just like I said with, with Iowa. You know, Iowa had a good season last year. The Energy also had a great season last year, and unfortunately both of them just couldn't, you know, couldn't edge edge that edge that playoff round to get into the, ne- you know, get into the next series of games. I, and I, I think especially um, the impact is going to be, um, you know, it's it, <laughs> they're going to come out for blood. I, I can't even lie. You know, and it, it, it's the fact of the matter of, like, the historical content with that team. And and I know I also have a couple of friends on that team, um, one of which of them retired this year, and it breaks my heart. Um, I'm not going to name any names because I'm not going to put their business out there, but I, I just know that one of my friends on that team did retire from the team last year, and that person was a huge impact, no pun intended, um, was a huge impact for that team and, and the positions that they play. So, it, you know, it's all about finding – you know, finding the next man up, next per- next woman up um, to fill in those positions and to continue, you know, continue with the drop-off or continue where the drop-off happens. And, and that's, what, that, that's why uh, Arlington is such a good story team is because they've been able to do that season after season after season. Now, you guys, they've always been pretty consistent all through their time. In other words, they, they've never dropped off. They either make the playoffs or – somewhat close to the playoffs and they just but they always have pretty good seasons and they're really well coached so I'm always hyping up energy because they've been very consistent program year in year out so um uh, Mark uh Dixie Blues great season last year very good spill story for the WFA in terms of Florida uh their schedule somewhat um I would say almost ideal to last year they get to face Miami their rivals they get to face uh Inferno they get to face uh Anarchy, basically a Florida schedule with the exception of Gulf Coast twice. 
But other than that, um, they they got the opportunity to maybe get back to the playoffs. Yeah, I I like the schedule certainly better than last year. Uh, I like the addition of the Gulf Coast Marnake, uh two games against them. I think that's that. Although they're a D three team, I think that's good competition for both of those teams. So so I definitely like this schedule. Um, they play Tampa Bay twice, so they're they're getting the added bump of having a, a, a um, pro division team on their schedule. Um, you know, it, it's kind of just a matter of, of, of how they go ahead and execute. Now, the thing about football in Florida, when, women's football, is that from year to year, um, you get surprised. Like sometimes Miami will be the strong teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Other times it's Jacksonville. Lately it's been Tampa Bay. But how they all match up with each other here is um, – um, that's why they play the games, as I say. It keeps coming up. But uh, I think it's a pretty good. I think it's a pretty good schedule for um, Jacksonville. I think their road into the playoffs is tough, though. Um, we won't really know much about the playoffs until we understand, you know, what the bracket looks like, how the, how they're going to do it. If it's just uh, going to be a regional, or if if they'll change it to just strictly conf- conference. If it's strictly conference, mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville will have a hard time getting in. Mac, if you go into Baltimore, uh, everybody hypes up D.C. on the background there. Pretty solid team year in, year out. Very competitive. Uh, so they get the Divas right off the bat. Then they get the Warriors here. We have no idea what they're going to look like. And then they get Divas again. And then they get the Wolves. And then they get Columbus. So a pretty competitive schedule. Uh, like I said, I have no idea what Tri-State's going to look like, but uh, – the return of the the Wolves and Tri-State too too slow, but they, you know the the rivalry in in, in DC right there. Uh, I can't wait to see both of those matches. You know, I kind of have to agree with you. This is probably the one time I'm going to agree with you tonight, Oscar. I, you know, and, and unfortunately for those teams that are either you know coming back from the pandemic or brand new to the league and the conference and the division itself. Um, you do kind of have to play that guessing game. Um, and it's, it's kind of – I'm not going to say devil's advocate, rather, but that's essentially what you're doing. You know, you're kind of just making your assumptions on paper. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But I and think, we have no idea I think what, also Mark, in, Matt, we have no idea right. what Sanji Aldi's going to look like, and we have no idea what uh, Green's going to come back. So we have no idea what D.C. looks like. So Baltimore, right off the bat, they could shock, right? If they take down D.C. week one, that would be a huge shock to the WFA. Yeah, that would Oscar. be kind of an earthquake in the league, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, I think every game on this schedule is sort of like a litmus test. Um, mm-hmm. And what we're trying to test is how much of Baltimore's success last year. They had a 4-2, and two, uh, they went 4-2. and two. Um, and they, they beat D.C. Um, toward the end of the regular season. So how much mm-hmm. of their success last year was situational versus, like, real team improvement? Because, um, uh, you know, as, as Max said, you know, with teams, you know, COVID last year, it was still a COVID season, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and there were, you know, troubles in D.C., and they weren't as competitive as, as they usually are, Um through that, 
you know, the Nighthawks had a, had a very solid season. So, how, you know, how much is that just situational and how much is it like uh, real team improvement? And I feel like this schedule is going to reveal some of that to us. Um, and it's, it's not all going to be in the first week against DC, right? Um, it, it'll be throughout. They, they get DC um, a couple weeks later. So, um, again, you can see, you know, are there incremental um, uh, improvements there? Um, they face the Wolves. Uh, and as you mentioned, the Tri-State Warriors, we don't know exactly how they're going to look when they, they come out, right? Tri-State's new team. Wolves haven't played for a couple of years. We don't know what their situation is. So, you know, those are games that really interest me um, in, in seeing not just how those teams are going to do, but, like, you know, where, the ball, where are the Nighthawks in, in their development? Um, are they going to be a contender down the stretch, the playoffs? So I think it was a pretty good schedule for them. It's definitely one of the harder schedules, I think, in D2. Yeah, for the most part, that's why I'm bringing it up because we don't know what DC is going to rebound with the injuries that they had last year, uh, the season they had last year. If they rebound, and it's going to be competitive for Baltimore there. Um, Mac Mahai, uh, obviously, you guys get them right off the block, week one, right? They're usually a very competitive team. They, they they stay in the mix in terms of a playoff hunt. Um, then Mahai, they you know, let's say they take down Nebraska for example, then they got to face Nevada. Then their schedule seems somewhat, I wouldn't say soft, but, you know, it gets competitive uh, pretty much throughout the season besides maybe Rocky Mountain. But Rocky Mountain has been kind of gritty and, and, and nasty sometimes with them, played toe-to-toe with them. So uh, the Smile House uh, schedule seems very competitive week in, week out as well, even with Sun City. And that was, that was kind of the thing for me that kind of, I was like, okay, you know, starting off, Head of schedule April ninth, Nebraska Valkyries. I mean, naturally, nobody knows about the Nebraska Valkyries because we are a new team. However, you look at our roster once rosters come out, then people are going to be like, okay, this could be an interesting. You know, this could be interesting depending on how you look at it, depending on who you know, what you know, those kind of you know the situational um, or scenario things that um, uh, Mark was just talking about. Um, if I'm the Mile High Blaze, however. anybody lightly, including any new team. Not, you know, not even just mine. Any new teams that they make sure. across the playoffs, you know, anything like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking anybody lightly. No, so of I course. I, think, I, agree. I, think, I mean, I honestly think that... Right. I think that Sun no, City stealth matchup late in the season could be, you know, could have an upset alert on it. We, we know that Sun City right. can and drum up some offense, right? You can't look past that game. Sure. And then you got Houston as well in the mix in there. So I'm just saying it's very competitive week in, week out for them too, and, and we expect them to be at the end, right? So a, a little pressure there for Mile High kicking off. And so, uh, but it looks pretty competitive as well, D2, D3. Uh, D3, the only D3s is Sun City and Rocky Mountain. Everything else is D2, and that stays in the mix with them. It's going to be pretty tough there. Um we got about five minutes here, Mac. Um, PDX, do they return to their previous, you know, Northwest dominance? Uh, they have not had that luxury in the last two years, but they, they get the much improved Seattle Spartans. They get Oregon Cougars. We have no idea what they're going to be about from the W, I believe it's WTFL or 
And then you got Capital. We knew Capital played really well last year in D3. South Lady Gates also pretty tough. So uh, the schedule uh, for uh, Portland seems going to be very competitive in every week, except for maybe Oregon. We have no idea what Oregon looks like in terms of the Cougars, but everybody else was played pretty well in D3 last year. I, you know, I, I got to agree with you across the board on, on this one at least. Um, but again, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back, go back to my point that I just made about Mile High. I'm gonna, you know, go back to. I'm going to make the same point for all the story teams and all the teams that have um, a ten, you know, a long tenure in the WFA. Even though you have a long tenure, you can't, you cannot count anybody out. Uh, that's just, you know. Mm-hmm. You just you just can't do it. It's you know again, like I said, going right back to what you know, Coach Mark Simone just said. You know, it's it's either the tactical or the situational at this point, as far as the Cougars are concerned. With you know PDX, it's it's kind of a toss up. It's 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 whether you know it's whether you know the Cougars are a team built of veterans or if they're you know ninety nine percent rookies and a brand new coaching staff. You know, it's it's the situational things that you have to look at just right this second. You know, until we start seeing footage and, you know, scrimmages happening and things like that. Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Mark. Portland needs to bounce back this season, okay? Last year, I mean, I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what the situation was, but they were not good last year. All right. The only team that they beat was Seattle. They beat them twice. All right. They got swept by uh, a new team. Uh, a D3 team in the Capital Pioneers. That cannot happen again this year. I do feel like they're going to come back and look uh, resemble a little bit more what they looked like in 2019 when they basically dominated that, that region. Um, as, you, as we pointed out, though, there's, there is new competition, okay? Second year for the Capital Pioneers. Uh, the uh, Southern Oregon Lady Gates are coming back. Um, there's a new developmental team. I'm not really too worried about them being um, more competitive in Portland, but, you know, they're there nonetheless. You know, uh, Portland's got to get, you know, they've got to get back up on the horse and, and, and get four wins. Um, there's, you know, that, that's all there is. I agree with it. that. Yeah. We're running out of time. Uh, we got about two minutes here. Uh, the Wolves return. We have no idea what they're going to look like. Seattle competitive they, they're facing pdx capital oregon and then also austin uh taking on that swing with the uh the impact energy uh also zydeco and dallas so looking forward to see how that's going to transform including miami how that's going to work out in terms of the florida coast but uh mac uh, mark awesome d2 looking forward to it d1 we, re- we reviewed last week so it's, it's going to be great to see that in, in the summer and April and see how it's going to turn out. And then looking forward to see what the game of the week for, for the fans is going to turn out. So thanks for you guys for coming in. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you guys here for 4-10 next week as we break down D3 top-tier D3 schedules uh, for the WFA. So thanks, everybody, for coming in. Thanks for Terry Lister to come in here as well. And for the Absent Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez here. We'll see you next week as my Rams take on the Niners and Kansas City will take on Buffalo. Great weekend of the NFL. Catch you here. Have a great night, everybody. Night. ...is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site in America. You get fun, easy-to-play contests with cash prizes featuring your favorite players. 
Monkey Night Fight, daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Sign up now and get an instant match on your first deposit up to $50.